Good evening, you are listening to Three Moves Ahead, and I'm your host, Rob Zachney. Uh, first, we welcome our founder and resident Canadian, Troy Goodfellow. Troy, welcome to the show. Glad to be back. It's been a month. And for some of us, it's been even longer. Uh, we finally get to welcome back our friend and TV news superstar, uh, Doc Hollywood himself, Bruce Garrick. Uh, Bruce, welcome back to the show. Hello, gamers. Uh, and now I just remembered why we didn't invite him back for so yeah. long. Okay. That never that never stops being creepy. God, uh, what can I say? That's just it's a it's a it's, a, it's a true representation of the state of gaming today. <laughs> uh, so we've gathered uh, we've gathered together to talk about crowdfunding, uh, free to play, alternate release channels. Uh, but let's be honest, the show will inevitably be called the Kickstarter show. Uh, in the past year, we've seen numerous Kickstarter projects launch within the gaming community, and it seems like a good time to talk about how alternate funding methods are kind of changing uh, strategy gaming. So first I thought we'd kick it over to Bruce as the uh, only guy here who's actually kickstarted something. Uh, Bruce and our friend Tom Chick recently restarted the Tom vs. Bruce column uh, via Kickstarter, and Bruce, I'd like you to talk us through that process a little bit. Uh, okay, well, uh, the basically the process that we had was first get a kickstarter and then step two was question mark and step three was profit and that worked out just fine the uh the whole point of the of the kickstarter was that it was kind of a last resort that we had um we didn't really feel like uh once the let me go back so for those who don't know uh tom versus bruce was a column that tom chick and i wrote for I think something like six, almost seven years uh, in Computer Gaming World magazine. And uh, it was uh, the two of us sort of writing stories about games that we would play against each other. And it was very popular in the magazine, but when the magazine folded in 2008, um, we found that there was not really a good uh, a good format for what we were doing. It was a 2,500-word column uh, that um, that didn't really work well online. And we knew we had fans, and after six-plus years, we felt we'd built a decent fan base, and people wanted to see more of that kind of writing. Unfortunately, uh, there was no sort of way to reach those people um, just by having some, you know, by having a website uh, pay us uh, or um, starting our own website and trying to run ads. That just didn't seem like the the kind of thing that we were going to, uh, we just, for various reasons, one, I don't think it would have been very profitable, and two, uh, we just weren't going to go about selling ads and that kind of thing. I don't think it's it's uh, something that we're going to be successful at. So um, so we decided to do Kickstarter, uh, and the, the whole point of Kickstarter is that it reaches, uh, pe- the only people who actually have to pay you are the people that really want to see your content. So if those people are willing to pay enough uh, to make the content producer's time worthwhile, then they get the content. Uh, and I think that's a just that's a that's a fantastic model. Yeah, it definitely seems to uh, it, it seems to solve a lot of problems, particularly problems that have uh, you know cropped up a lot. I would say in the last ten years, both within like you know uh, the writing and publishing space and uh, video game development. Uh, where there seems to be, you know, in a way it seems almost like in the last 10 years or so we had like a sort of crisis in patronage uh, where there was no real way for people who actually cared passionately about something to directly support it. Uh, there, there wasn't an easy way to do that. And Kickstarter really seems kind of tailor-made to let the people who care about something actually get that thing. Well, here's the, here's an important point I think that should be made is that this kind of funding model, in a sense, has already been in, uh, in use for, I think, over a decade um, by uh, company, board game companies like GMT, for example. GMT uh, is a, a very uh, well-respected and, um, I believe, successful, since they've been in business for this long, and um, successful in the sense that they produce a lot of good board games. Uh, they're a very successful company in that sense, and they started with something called uh, Project 500, which was that they would not uh, produce a game until they got 500 pre-orders for it. And so what they would do is they would uh, uh, advertise to their customers 
you know, hey, we're looking at, uh, you know, we have a, a design proposal for a game about, you know, who knows what, uh, the uh, wars in um, South America, the uh, narco wars. There's a, uh, a game, it's actually not exactly narco wars, but uh, um, civil wars in um, uh, South America called Andean Abyss. And uh, all the people who want to, uh, who are interested in seeing that game be produced, pre-order the game. When we, once we get 500, uh, 500 orders for that game, we'll put the game into production. Uh, so that kind of model, I think, is where you reach, uh, you know, you sort of, you don't put all the resources into producing your product until you feel that you have the, uh, the funding to actually produce it. Um, so I think that's a kind of an early version of Kickstarter, early version of that model. I'm sure there were earlier versions that I haven't, uh, thought of or which I don't know about, but, um, I think in gaming, gaming is sort of an early adopter of this kind of, uh, of this kind of funding. You know, just going with GMT as an example and, and please correct me if I'm wrong, but when I, when I sort of picture GMT games, uh, I, I sort of picture GMT as the publisher of war games on, you know, kind of off the wall subjects like you know my you know the image I hold in my head of a GMT game would be some sort of like uh, brushfire colonial war. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, stuff that you know is st- stuff that's not going to have a lot of uh, you know mass appeal. But somebody somebody out there has been waiting for like the perfect Rourke's drift, uh, mm-hmm. you know, war game. Well, I mean, they that that may be the case because I think you see a lot of games. Uh, produced by GMT or published by GMT that have odd uh, odd subjects simply because they they break the 500 game uh, uh, barrier but the, GMT produces tons of, of very uh, mainstreamy subject games I mean they have a lot of Eastern front games uh, they had the whole uh, operational level um, Vance von Boris, uh you know Army group uh, North operation Barbarus Army group North center south uh, Kiev, whatever, I mean, like, basically 10 games, a, a sort of a monster game of the Eastern Front. There's multiple uh, Eastern Front, uh, you know, campaign games. Uh, very popular Paths of Glory uh, is, um, that's a World War One game, but still very popular. Uh, I mean, they have, a, they have a lot of games about popular subjects. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't just say that GMT is a niche publisher that uh, makes their money off of, off of making niche games. Plus the Command and Colors series and Twilight yeah, Struggle. Absolutely. I mean, they've yep. got lots of really big popular titles. Um, but they're also going to have to go through the P500. I mean, they're, they're guaranteed to hit that 500 target, but everything's got to go through that 500 level. So, Right, um, exactly. And so, you know, if you are proposing a, you know, a, uh, a war game about um, the Eastern Front, uh, that plays in four to six hours and uh, covers the whole campaign. You're probably and you're from a from a noted or or at least known designer. Then they'll probably get sell 500 copies of that. Now Kickstarter, of course, is is a little different in, in that there's so much variability in how people approach Kickstarter projects. Uh, you know, P500 is is sort of very you know that's that's. That's that's a hard and fast rule. It's very easily understood. Um, Kickstarter. What what I find kind of interesting about it is that you know the, there seems to be sort of this guessing game that you play as you're as you're creating your Kickstarter project. You know what do you ask for to be the minimum? Uh, you know the, the minimum amount to to fund the project because if you don't meet that minimum, you don't get any of the money. Uh, but at the same time, then there's this, you know, then there's the secondary goal of of hitting stretch goals, right? So you want to get you want to get funded, but then have some and sort of the, for lack of a better term, I think some of the meta game of a Kickstarter project, uh, you know, really really interests me. You know, Bruce, I know you recently went through this process. Uh, so how how do you guys like how did you guys sort of settle on like how much to ask for? Uh, how did you keep yourselves from sort of selling yourselves short? And then how did you like incentivize, uh, you know, people giving well after you you'd met your met your goal? Well, that was kind of hard for us actually because um, for the uh, for the goal we kind of figured we would ask for just about the same amount that we would get paid. We would have been paid, sorry, for uh, for that content 
by Computer Gaming World since that's the only place we ever published it. Um, actually, it was a little bit of a haircut since uh, the the official rate that we had at Computer Gaming World was um, 2,500 word articles, and they paid 50 cents a word, so it was $1,250 uh, for one uh, for one piece, and then Tom and I split it. So, um, but uh, so 12.50 per article. Um, and we thought, you know, let's just make it an even thousand. Uh, we'll, we'll commit to doing 10 pieces uh, for $10,000. I thought, thought that was reasonable. Um, it doesn't devalue the, uh, the work itself. I think it's important for writers to get paid uh, for quality content. Uh, I, I really, um, that's a whole other discussion we could talk uh, for a while about. Uh, writing for free and whether or not that devalues the writing market, but um, I think that uh, we, in in a sense, we didn't pull the number out of a hat, but we thought that a ten thousand uh, dollar goal would be uh, something that we w- would be a minimum that we would work with. If we got less than that, we were comfortable saying uh, we're not going to we're not going to pursue this. Um, but the, the, the interesting thing about the stretch goals, I know that Kickstarter has a whole, like you just said, you called it a metagame. I think it's very uh, appropriate. But, uh, and and uh, people there are people who know a lot more about this stuff than I do. I know there are uh, different uh, websites that track uh, Kickstarter metrics and, and uh, that there's a, there's a KickTrack uh, uh, website that sort of tracks projects by... Um, uh, a lot of the same tools that are used uh, that the Kickstarter um, uh, founders or the project founders can use to see how, many, how much is being donated per day, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, we, I don't think we managed that in a very well because um, we didn't have a whole lot of rewards, and that was sort of that was sort of on purpose um, or by design or whatever you word you want to use for it. Um, I think the rewards, frankly, in a Kickstarter are half the fun of, of contributing to it. Um, when I uh, look through Kickstarter, and I've, I've only funded, I think, only backed, you know, half, no, probably about a dozen projects. But uh, of those projects, you know, the ones that are my favorite were the ones where I could get something uh, interesting for my, for my contribution. One um, was uh, Faster Than Light, uh, the um, spaceship uh, adventure game. Uh, you got to uh, um, get your name in the game as one of the crew members, as one of the you know standard uh, crew member roster. Uh, there was another one um, was a sort of a space comic book that uh, you would get a, a sort of a custom uh, drawing of your favorite character uh, by the artist. Um, things like that. Those are the, those are the fun things that uh, the, the Kickstarter can get you, and uh, I think that's. I think for a lot of people, that's a that's a very um, attractive part of the whole project, and we didn't really have a lot of that um, because we really wanted to kind of sell the whole thing. On, we didn't want to be a um, we didn't want to sell doodads or sell you know ancillary things. Um, one of the things that we took to heart was uh, Chris Remo and uh, the Idle Thumbs guys, uh, or should we say, our benevolent overlords uh, here at. Uh, uh, three moves ahead. They uh, they had a fantastically successful Kickstarter, um, but they had a lot of stuff that that uh, that they uh, it's a lot of stuff for rewards, and I think that that ended up being uh, um, I think that that created a bit of a burden on them to have to come up with all this stuff, or at least that was the impression I got from the from posts that they had made. Right. And, I, I think when we had them on the show, or maybe it was in another interview, I thought you know they, they said that. Troy, do you remember what they were asking for initially? Wasn't it like forty grand? Something it was like thirty thousand. Yeah. It's thirty thousand. Yeah, thirty thousand. Yes. And you know, I, I think Chris said, you know, we realized afterwards if if we if we if we'd gotten thirty thousand and one dollars, we'd have been screwed. Um, Be- because yeah. of all the rewards, you mean? Yeah. 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 Just ma- mailing everything out. I think the mailing costs are quite uh, obscene. Right. In some of these things. Yes. Exactly. Right. So I mean I think that yeah and I remember that that uh, that discussion that they had on that uh, on the podcast and that maybe that's what I'm remembering it from but uh, I I I um, I was very conscious and I, I kind of when Tom and I discussed it you know we didn't want to get into selling a bunch of stuff we wanted people to to contribute to the Kickstarter 
just um, if you know if they wanted Tom versus Bruce back, then they they should contribute. If they kind of didn't care but wanted to get some cool doohickey, then they should probably just save their money. Um, and we didn't want to get swamped uh, by mailing costs either, so we kept it kind of light. And uh, somebody actually, somebody actually mentioned that I think on a quarter to three uh, forums said, "Hey, you know, I was looking at the the rewards; they seem kind of thin." So there's a, there's a downside to not having a, a, a tangible product that you're mailing people, um, and where you're just asking for money uh, for Kickstarter, other than you know. I mean, even the, even a game. If you're gonna uh, if you're gonna make a game, you can offer the game, or you can ever offer a collector's edition of the game, or you can offer the game in a fancy box, or uh, something like that. So the uh, getting back to the to the actual thing, um, Road to Enlightenment was a uh, another project that uh, I backed, which was very successful. That's, that's um, Dirk Niemeyer's. Dirk Niemeyer's, uh, yes, exactly. And uh, Dirk's uh, project, which I'm anxiously awaiting uh, my copy. Uh, mine I arrived last week. Yeah, I, mine is, I think, sitting at a, um, and waiting for me. I have I had it uh, shipped to a different address because I was in the process of moving. I didn't want to get, have it get lost, but uh. I can't wait to get it. I was interested when I looked at Dirk's um, rewards. He had a reward for like, I can't remember, it was like 65 bucks for the game. And then if you paid like an extra 20 or something like that, I, can't, I don't have the numbers in front of me, uh, you got some like doubloons or something. I mean, some like complete, just extra kind of nonsense gag kind of thing. Uh, well, which that's, is, they're, 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 they're the components for the game. There's money in the game. But instead of getting just cardboard chits, you get actual doubloon-like type things. Was that what it is? That's what it is. They're 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 higher quality game pieces. Oh, I thought you were just. It wasn't clear to me from the uh, from the thing from the Kickstarter that that was actually part of the game. I thought you were getting some like extra doodads, and I thought oh, I don't need that. That's extra part. Uh, extra um, extra quality. You're buying extra quality. Yeah. Oh, I'll just okay. say here, playing a game with like fake currency is <laughs> actually like high quality fake currency is pretty great. Yeah. Like playing okay. an RPG with like fake fantasy coins, mm-hmm. mm. so mm. so much more immersive in some ways. I guess it's ridiculous, Interesting. but it's psychological. Interesting. Okay. Well, I, I mean, I, I I don't think it would have changed my changed my mind. Uh, Probably not on how, how much I would support, but uh, it it does change the point. Uh, the point is that if you get extra kind of doodads seems to be very attractive and of course that's i guess why the why there were more there are a lot more people that got the game plus the doubloons rather than just getting the game uh and the price difference wasn't that big so i thought just you know people want extra extra doodads and we didn't give them that um but uh but there's also like you said there's the whole metagame of um of of a race to these various tiers uh i guess one of the most famous ones is the is the order of the stick the um Right, the, car- the, uh, the the D and D web comic. Yeah, which uh, raised over a million dollars, I think, through a through a very um, well organized and managed, partly due to the well organized managed um, uh, uh, stretch goals, also because people just wanted that, obviously. Yeah. But uh, um, so you know, we didn't do any of that. We we did a little bit of it at the end, um, but uh, yeah, I think that there's a definite way to manage a Kickstarter. Uh, that uh, you can really, if you're if you're willing to sell stuff, if you're willing to turn it into uh, you know a add-on tier kind of of uh, of model, then uh, I think you can you can uh, you can sort of milk your um, milk your total total donations. Uh, of course, then you have to then you're responsible for the for the outlay for that uh, for whatever you've promised. Now, now, Troy, um, I, I'm sure you've read uh, Ian Bogos' piece on on Kickstarter and how it, you know, kind of encourages this, um, you know, a- approach to backing projects where where really, you know, I, I, th- I think the way he puts it is, you know, we're, we're buying a dream, not a product. And uh, I, I, I'm curious, I, I'm curious your thoughts on your your, your thoughts on that. Uh, you know, taking Kickstarter as a whole, I think it's a little different when you get down to like the brass tacks of the strategy space and board gaming space. Uh, but but Kickstarter as a whole seems to encourage a lot of uh, you know blue sky thinking. Well, it encourages blue sky thinking on both sides because first you have people putting Kickstarters up without any thought whatsoever, uh, without any plan. Just I have this thing I want to make, this thing I want to do. Give me thirty thousand dollars in the next month, 
and we'll see what happens. Uh, without, and it, it's become sort of this, this uh, if, you're, if you're one of these people, if you consider yourself an, an, an idea person, just driven just by their ideas, it's kind of like a small lottery for you. All you have to do is get your word out, and this money will come pouring in. And there's a dream factory on the other side. And we see this with, uh, I think the example Bogos uses is the, um, I don't know how to pronounce it, oh, the that Ouya. TV tablet, yeah. the Ouya, that TV tablet thing, a, gay, a, con- a console for tablet games that's attached to your TV or something. this really bizarre thing that a lot of people are very, I think, rightfully skeptical of. But it taps into this, all this stuff going on in the gaming space, this anxiety over, is there going to be a new console generation? Where's a new machine I can plug in? The rise of tablet gaming in general. Um, here's a really neat idea. Why isn't anybody else doing this or funding this? We can back the small team, which really had nothing to show, uh, nothing promised to deliver, and made its target in like a couple of days, and has raised an obscene amount of money. Um, and one of their big gets was on live which is now going through restructuring as of yesterday so who knows what happens there in that partnership so it's but the money keeps flowing in i think you see this with a lot of games especially um you see this with wasteland um i have wasteland 2 the idea that we can get this game that we loved in the past this old rpg and get this old time game design people together and they can remake it and they can do it again and they can make it better and more up-to-date. Um, people want uh, Tim Schafer and Double Fine to succeed all the time. So that's why they're, they're, uh, they've always done some quality work. Um, so they go on Kickstarter and say, look, no one else will fund these sorts of games anymore, but we think you guys will if you like us. And people like Tim. If you don't like all of his games or you get stuck at Psychonauts halfway through and can't finish the damn thing, um, people want him to succeed because he's a likable guy. So you want to finance his dreams and be a part of that. So this is, there is a kind of a dream factory. Um, it's kind of like crowdfunded v- venture capital, only the hope is they get something back. Now, there aren't any guards on the other side. I mean, it's, a, it's a clear donation. I mean, there's no process There's no process for getting your money back once the thing is closed, if the product is not up to par, uh, if it's not what you expect. I guess you could probably have a fraud claim if they don't deliver on the on the reward tier type stuff, but whether the product gets made or not, there aren't any guarantees. So you really are just, you know, funding hope. And it, it, but it, it, it's kind of, it's like a well in advance pre-order. When you, people call it a pre-order system, but it really isn't. Because when you pre-order a game, generally you've already been shown the game exists. And a lot of places won't put the pre-order up. Unless it exists, well, sort of increasingly really, pre-orders themselves have become speculative as well. Well, that the, yes, but, but Kickstarter's kind of different uh, because it is Kickstarter is, is a platform, and you give the money directly to somebody, and it's so it is this weird world of both. It, but it's not all pre-orders. That's what makes Kickstarter so funny. But I kind of don't quite agree with Bogost entirely. Yes, you are funding dreams, but also a lot of people are turned to Kickstarter purely as a marketing tool, like. Um, uh, Road to the Enlightenment was already finished. The game was made. It was going to get distributed somehow because uh, Dirk had put so much time into it and playtesting it and designing it and a bunch of other things. It was going to get published and printed somewhere somehow. Uh, the Kickstarter allowed him first to accelerate that, get it out, get it produced more quickly and higher quality, and also it's served a way to help market the game and promote it. Um, I'm sure he sold more Road to the Enlightenment because of the Kickstarter than he would have if he'd done it through any other just straight board oh, sure. game yeah. sales platform. Absolutely. So Kickstarter, and that isn't funding a dream. That's, you know, saying, hey, I'm, help me get this moving faster. This is going to come out. This can come out faster. So it's not entirely this great dream factory. If you already have a product or you have a reputation, and that's why you have people like Schaefer, why you have people like Uber Entertainment going to Kickstarter. It's because people trust them to deliver. And this is a way for them to cut out middlemen to promote the product and get the funding for it very quickly with very few strings attached, which is kind of remarkable. Yeah, well, I think, there were, I mean, yeah, people definitely, I think, have jumped on Kickstarter to sort of, uh, like you said, market the game. And then I think just get some extra revenue because uh, there was a, um, uh, a thing that I saw about um, dementia and the use of music to... Uh, uh, to uh, not treat dementia, but um, people who are in nursing homes 
uh, were given these iPods, and it, and it sort of... Uh, yes, a, yes, uh, yes, I read this. Yeah, so it was a, sort of a, a quality of life kind of uh, thing, and it, with the, the point of it was not to do that. The point of it was actually to, to produce this movie that they were making. Well, frankly, uh, what I found out later was that the movie was already funded. The movie already had a funding source. The movie was going to be done, and the Kickstarter that I think they asked for $50,000, I think they got it, um, was basically gravy. Uh, and they ended up selling, you know, some of the uh, rewards like DVDs of the movie. So, you know, people got what they um, uh, got what they paid for. But I think the movie, the movie's already been screened, and uh, I think the movie had already been screened before the Kickstarter actually started. So, people are using Kickstarter in uh, in sort of uh, creative ways to, I think, uh, increase their uh, increase the revenue a little bit, which is fine. I mean, the, the, like uh, Troy made a good point that it's it really is like venture capital, right? Uh, having worked in investment banking, you know, venture capitalists are, uh, and I'm not saying this is necessarily true for the entire uh, Kickstarter uh, um, donation population, but uh, Kickstarter um, has a different uh, sort of a different feel to it than somebody that is a venture capitalist that's giving a lot of money to uh, to a company. But in the end, uh, if the company doesn't uh, succeed, then their equity is worth zero. And in the same way, uh, a Kickstarter that doesn't uh, succeed uh, or doesn't deliver a product, you basically haven't, you don't really have much recourse. So, um, which is why I think, and you'll agree with me on this, Bruce, uh, that getting government regulation into Kickstarter is so crucial uh, for for our economic futures as a society. To destroy everything? Yes. Absolutely. Uh, I, I think we need to protect consumers from their own misjudgments mm-hmm. and uh, ensure that Kickstarter uh, ha- has a nice thick layer of bureaucracy uh, to make sure nobody abuses the system like that. I think what you should have is that I think the government should actually approve all Kickstarters first. And actually, well, the only uh, Kickstarter should be government. Kickstarters run by the government. Kickstarter for president? Yes. Perfect. Superb. But um, I... But I, I do find – I think the, the venture capital uh, comparison is interesting, though, because what's kind of what's, what's kind of cool about Kickstarter, though, is that, you know, it, it doesn't give you any equity uh, in, the, in the final product. So, so it, it – and, and that's where I, you know, I kind of make the patronage uh, comparison is that Kickstarter in, in many ways is a chance to say uh, – you know those those games that you're talking about, Troy. The, those you know those throwbacks, either direct throwbacks to old franchises and resurrecting them for uh, you know current gen technology, or you know getting back to some sort of like fundamental defini- definition of genre. The way um you know Tim Schafer's uh, Double Fine adventure was sort of was sort of pitched. Um, it's it's a way for it's a way for these projects to get funding, but then it, it's funding without real strings attached. There's nobody going to be meddling in the product to try to make sure they're trying to recoup their investment. It's it's really right. just kind of this this leap of faith that I I, I, I suspect as these as these uh, you know projects start start coming in that have been financed and actually developed uh, you know through money raised via Kickstarter. Uh, I, I think you know you're going to see some a, a lot of like glorious failures and uh, so, some really smashing successes, but I, I think it's exactly what you you should kind of expect from something that you know in many ways is designed to turn creators loose uh, without any real direction. And there will be some embarrassing yeah. failures as well. There will be some very big embarrassing public failures. Like Ouya, if it comes out or doesn't come out, um, and they have all this money and nothing's ever produced. And that's, you know, that's a type of project that, if it fails, could have a lot of people looking at Kickstarter kind of skeptically, especially for people who have ad- really ad- who have ad- ambitious plans on that scale. I think you'll have people reducing the scale of their donation requests, for one thing. You'll have a deflation uh, there, and th- which I don't think would be a bad thing for Kickstarter. I think, in some ways, the gold rush of this year, I mean, you've seen the requests for money increase by the tens and tens of thousands of dollars for small things for like iPhone games for which aren't small things easy to do but you know for, but you know if we're asking for $30,000 where once an iPhone game designer said give me $10,000 now people are asking for $30,000 for $70,000 uh, to do an iPhone uh, game or to do uh, or an outside of the gaming platform to do 
books to publish their web comics. You know, things that are shouldn't that's much might maybe they do cost that much money. I really don't know. But uh you have certainly seen the requests for money scale up in a remarkable way because I think the gold rush of this year. Now the gold rush has been good because you've seen so many other developers turn towards it. You've seen some really interesting, great products pop up on Kickstarter. I don't fund nearly as much as I should. I'm really kind of cautious with the money I give uh, to people. But it's great to see, you know, different types of board games out there, to see reprints of uh, old uh board games, to see some really neat strategy stuff, this faster than light thing. I missed the Kickstarter to get in and get my name in it, but just to read about it, it's just, I'm so glad they turned there, because now that's actually going to happen. That's a game that I want to see distributed and spread very widely. And that's, just, I, I, it's it's kind of exciting. Um, I don't think it's a revolution a lot of people think, think it is, and we could talk about that, I think, in a bit as to why it is or why it isn't. Uh, but I think it's a really neat option. I'm glad that, I mean, this isn't the only, it's not just Kickstarter, because we have Indiegogo out there as well, which has a flexible model where you can keep whatever comes in. You don't have to set a target. Uh, so you can, that's one way to make sure you get, you get something. It's not as popular as Kickstarter, but it's out there. And just launched last month, there's a European one, just four games called Games Planet Labs, where the selling point is if you donate, you're automatically part of the, of the, of the, the, the beta test. And you, help to, you get to help the developers develop the game, and also the donators decide when it's set to be released. So the only quality products come out of it. That's the plan, at least, for Games Planet Labs. Or only bad products that impatient people want to see released get released. Well, yes, exactly. And that's, that's kind of the caveat there. But it's because it's, there are so many people uh, making this decision, I guess the assumption is there won't be, there will at least be some saner heads prevailing. Um, right. So, uh, it's, so there's, this sort of thing is taking off in a lot of different ways. There's even one well, for th- pornography now, if you're into that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Just saying. Excuse me, I have to Google something real quick. <laughs> <laughs> I'm dying to see the stretch goals. Um, <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you one thing that actually, you know, concerns me a little bit. Going back to that meta game idea, is that, you know, I'm not so sure, Bruce, that it was in any way like a a, a failure, uh, you know, f- for you and Tom, for instance, not to have a great deal, like not to have like. Uh, you know, really fat loots in your reward tiers, because I, one thing I, one thing that I do see in a lot of Kickstarters um, is that a, a lot of Kickstarter projects kind of obligate themselves to basically, you know, as, as you're talking about, in, you know, in regards uh, to the Idle Thumbs guys, a lot of projects sort of obligate themselves to actually return a fair bit of that money in terms of, you know, just you know, in, in terms of various reward tiers. Yeah. Uh, or, the, or they obligate themselves to undertake a great deal more work on the project that may or may not actually be borne out by the amount of extra money they, they brought in via that stretch goal. Uh, and so one one thing that uh, you know it's I don't think I don't think it breaks Kickstarter at all. Again, it just like points out you know the uh, importance of carefully planning a Kickstarter. But I do think there there are some dangerous incentives to uh, create a Kickstarter uh, to you know to get people to donate more uh, that in many ways might have unpleasant side effects for the likelihood uh, that your project will actually be successful. Yeah. I mean, they, one of the things um, uh, that uh, was, we got an email from a a friend of ours who um, cautioned us right up front when we did the Kickstarter. He said, Hey guys, just a word of warning. If you offer t-shirts, Make sure they cost a lot of money <laughs> because uh, the cost of actually designing and producing and mailing, the emphasis on mailing, those t-shirts is going to uh, significantly eat into your Kickstarter budget. And uh, we sort of, that's that's why we had the, uh, the $100 t-shirt, uh, which was, uh, you know, we wanted to give people something and uh, we're actually very pleased with what we're going to give them but um just the idea that well it's a t-shirt so therefore it should cost 20 bucks uh that would have uh, that would have been a disaster so um you know yeah you absolutely do have to think about how uh how things are going to affect your bottom line once you actually go to produce all of your uh, 
all of your rewards. But I mean, I, it's it's um, you know it, things went the way they went. We were we were delighted with the fact that a we were successful and b um, we got uh, the in- people involved that we got involved. Uh, uh, Deslock, uh, Kelly Wand, and Eric Wolfbar are going to uh, going to join us for uh, an episode each. Uh, I'm going to go out to um, that. Was the the last actually stretch goal was kind of a just kind of an excuse for us to to try to get us uh, get me and Tom in the same room and do a uh, do a uh, Tom versus Bruce face to face. So we we um, basically had the um, the Kickstarter pay for my travel costs. Uh, which it did. That was the, that was our last uh, stretch goal, but um, and that that should be that would be a blast. I mean, I'm really looking forward to doing that. But um, uh, you know, we really we really thought about not making a uh, making a, a product a bazaar out of it. I, I don't know. I, I still am not sure um, if it would have been different if we would actually had a physical product that we were selling, um, because then it's more about you know how many people want to buy your product. But um, as far as how good an idea Kickstarter is, I mean, I was just I was looking through just before we did the just before we sat down to do this podcast, I was looking through some things that I've that I've backed, and uh, one of the things that I that I found was uh, this thing called Battle of the Bulge uh, for the iPad by Shenandoah yes. Studio. That was uh, that was successful um, in uh, in May. It's basically uh, a, a, well, I guess you could call it a hardcore war game on the iPad. Uh, be, or being developed for the iPad, uh, which uh, which I think is going to hopefully address the lack of actual hardcore war games. And don't uh, uh, don't tell me that Battle Academy is a hardcore war game. Uh, it isn't. Uh, yeah. Okay. On the uh, on the iPad, but hopefully, uh, so there are some veterans of uh, SPI that are doing that. They're doing that project, but. Um, but uh, I really love the idea that you can look at the the Kickstarter and see that you know all the people who are giving this thing money are are I'm pretty sure are the same kind of people that or the you know p- people similar to me who played these kind of games who love the iPad as a as a strategy platform and think this is a great niche i mean why isn't somebody developing a, a hardcore working for the ipad well probably because it's uh, it's quite a big risk uh if you uh if you reduce some of that risk by giving people money up front and it's uh, amount of money that you're you're comfortable losing if they uh, don't come through with it then i think it's a it's a wonderful um a wonderful mechanism to get more things that you want and uh, a hardcore war game about the Battle of the Bulge. Although I wish it weren't about Battle of the Bulge, but whatever, that's fine. <laughs> Next one, you know, it's it's something that I want. There's actually uh, they're doing a uh, an El Alamein um, game as well. So I think that's um, I, th- I think the the whole uh, there, there's nothing but good that can right. co- possibly come out of this uh, this model. And I'm saying, oh. you know, if I if I donated whatever, uh, you know, forty fifty bucks to something. Uh, and lose it. Um, it's. I don't think that's terrible. I, I'm. I'm perfectly willing to to try to foster this kind of thing because maybe uh, other people who uh, were thinking about doing a similar thing and are more capable will uh, will uh, see that a Kickstarter like this was successful and uh, and try their own Kickstarter. I'd like to. I'd love to encourage those people. And it's especially genius for, for iPad and iPhone games because one thing a lot of iPad and iPhone games, the problem, one of the problems they have is getting seen at all, getting noticed uh, in yeah. the App Store. It's impossible mm-hmm. to get featured. I mean, we do PR for some um, iOS developers, and it's almost impossible to market those because there are so many iPhone games that come out. Not every site can cover everything. They won't publish news. They might do a review. Uh, there just isn't enough time or space. The marketplace mm-hmm. is just too crowded. So if you yeah. can do, like Shenandoah did, get the orders in place, already have an idea of how many people are interested, and not hope they stumble upon you. Not hope they luck into finding you or have to read about you on a forum six months later after you've already knocked your price down to 50 cents or whatever just to get something back. Um, I think it, if you're for doing, if you're doing a really serious iPad game, it is probably the best marketing device and guarantee of delivery of some return uh, that, that that's out there. I mean, it's much better than PR, I'll say. 
as I say, cutting my own, as I say, cutting my own. Yeah, throat. exactly. Because I mean, this is, I mean, this is something that's been discussed publicly on PR blogs uh, that no, no one really knows how to promote an app for on Apple because of the way the iStore, the uh, the iPhone store is is structured. You can't buy placement really unless mm-hmm. you pay people to download it, mm-hmm. and thereby you pay people to buy it and therefore jack mm-hmm. it up the top ten list, which you're not supposed to do. That's cheating the system. It's mm-hmm. very it's very hard for it to get noticed. Um, so it's often by word of mouth uh, yeah. that you'll find it. So something like Shenandoah, I think that is a yeah. It's Battle of the Bulge, but you know, this week Battle of the Bulge, next week uh, Austerlitz. You know, it's something yeah. to look forward to. Yeah. Well, I'm definitely looking forward to it. Well, and I, and I think it addresses kind of a kind of a fear or uh, you know. Uh, Instead of struggling for for the right word, I, I guess you know, I feel like there there's this kind of you know view of the consumer as kind of this passive slob who just you know wants you know content for as little as possible, uh, kind of indifferent to how it gets to him. But you, you you know what I mean, especially like in markets like the App Store where you have this sort of stereotype where like, wait, it's not ninety nine cents. Well, screw you, buddy. Um, and, mm-hmm. and I think Kickstarter is, is kind of this really pleasant and really encouraging counterpoint to that, where you see just how many people are passionately engaged, uh, you know, with, with with their entertainment, with the, with their, uh, you know, with whatever with with whatever sort of entertainment they like, uh, you know, be it games writing or podcasts or or games themselves. Uh, people care enough to open their wallets and, and give more than. Uh, you know, give more than the market would demand them. Uh, so what you're saying is that it's a it's a very encouraging and fuzzy, uh, warm and fuzzy way for people to lose their money. Pretty much. Uh, again, which is why we need the government to get on their asses. Of course. No, and I I'm 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 being sarcastic. I mean, I agree with you that it the it's I I love seeing uh, the uh, I love seeing the hardcore community in any you know endeavor whether it be comics or you know games or music or design or anything like that uh support something uh or support something that they like you know with something that's uh that that really appeals to uh the hardcore because you know i think you know we're all hardcore about uh you know various things and it's great to see those people i mean i just really get a kick out of you know going to the the battle of the bulge uh uh, Kickstarter and just reading these updates and seeing, uh, you know, yeah, there are all these people that that just want this thing. They want this hardcore war game on the iPad. Uh, and those are people that are probably very much like me. And uh, uh, it's just nice to see your community sort of uh, uh, get together to support something. Uh, before we get to uh, Troy's uh, needlessly cynical uh, attitude that Kickstarter is not the revolution we think it is. Uh, I want to talk real quickly about um, you know th- this project that I I just wrote about for PC Gamer, uh, Planetary Annihilation from Uber Uber Entertainment. Um, first of all, it's it's really weird to be writing a preview about a f- about what is basically a funding proposal, right? Uh, that that was kind of a strange experience for me. I mean, I I know Uber like Uber can make a game, and, and they and mm-hmm. you know they made several, so it's not like you're you're writing about somebody's sort of hopes and hopes and dreams. But it's still right. kind of weird to be writing a preview about something that really doesn't even exist, uh, you know, in, in any sort of like playable state. Uh, well, that, is, that's is pretty. That's that's ninety percent of all game previews, right? You get some screenshots. It's not even an alpha. Well, Rob, well, look, at the, look at this way, Rob. You, you, you missed a Duke Nukem Forever build-up for 13 years. This is your christening. <laughs> All right, well, so so most of the previews I play, uh, most of the previews I've done, there, there has been something sort of playable, uh, at, at least in the room. But but setting that aside for a moment, what, what actually really kind of interested me was I was talking to uh, the lead on the project, um, John Mavor. And one of the things I was, you know, I was bringing up was... You know, so Planetary Annihilation is kind of a you know successor to Supreme Commander and Total Annihilation, and you know this kind of uh, you know big overblown uh, RTSs. And I, I, you know, I kind of started raising the issue of accessibility and how those games could be a bit overwhelming. And 
you know, you know, they're very, like RTSs are not easy for most people to play, and those games in particular, that style of RTS, uh, creates you know sort of a high barrier to entry. And what was really kind of funny, and uh, again, sort of encouraging in in the way that it's it's cool to see what happens when the hardcore support the hardcore, is their attitude was like, yeah, accessibility can be a problem, and you know, we hope to make it more accessible with a good interface and uh, you know, good design. But really, um. You know, and then the answer was, in so many words, they don't really care, because they don't have to care. The people hmm. who are supporting this project are people who want an RTS like that. Uh, and so you don't have to worry so much yeah. about, like, how do, we, how do we get the people who don't like RTSs to play our RTS? Which is exactly what I think everybody who's been doing RTSs in the, in the mainstream space with major publishers, they've had to fight that battle. Uh, but with, with Kickstarter and Planetary Annihilation, you know, you can say, well, you know, this game is going to be daunting for, for novices and, 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 less, and less skilled players, uh, but that doesn't actually have to be that, that big a constraint. Well, it actually becomes a selling point in that case. Well, yeah, absolutely. Because then they get to they then they get to sell then they get to sell themselves the hardcore where it's right like no compromises, uh, which is so often you know that's that's red meat. Right. Well, I think that um, that's true. Uh, I think there are a couple circumstances where that uh, you know that you have to judge how big your actual hardcore community is. Right. There was a um, one one of the the only actually unsuccessful Kickstarter that I uh, backed was um, uh, Skyjacker, which was sort of like a uh, open world uh, space exploration piracy shooting game, and uh, I, I don't know, maybe I mean maybe they just asked for too much money. Uh, they they had to restart their Kickstarter because they had they screwed up their reward tiers or whatever. I mean the whole thing just played out over a long period of time and ended up not. Um, not being successful, there's a whole story there, maybe. But uh, but may, you know, maybe if if your uh, if your project is larger than your hardcore community, then uh, then you're sort of selling yourself uh, selling yourself out uh, before you start. Now, I, with that said, I think that the, if you have a project that uh, is well managed and uh, has a reasonable budget, there's probably a hardcore community out there that's going to be able to support it. So, Troy, earlier you were saying that you, you know you you kind of had reservations about how much Kickstarter actually changes the landscape, and I'd be interested to hear you talk through that point a little more. Yeah, I was just making stuff up. I really don't know. Now, it's, uh, Kickstarter, it's just, it's really just too soon to tell. Until these projects are actually, del- I mean, it's a great idea, and lots of neat things are coming through, uh, but until actually one of these projects is delivered, and we see the response to it, I'm kind of holding off on whether Kickstarter, as it stands, uh, is actually a revolutionary business model or just a revolutionary business idea because the two are quite different. I mean, it could be an interesting mo- it could be an interesting idea that needs to be followed through or has to be more safeguards, more guarantees. This, this, whole re- this whole reward tier thing, I do think, is actually kind of getting out of hand for a lot of these developers, and Bruce has mentioned it and other people have mentioned it, that the pressure to have something... Uh, at all these different points along the line, I mean, the Penny Arcade guys kind of made fun of it in there because they could make fun of it because they were going to raise half a million dollars anyway, and they did. So they can make fun of the reward tiers. You know, we'll we'll retweet you, and that'll be like a $20 reward or something. Right. Uh, it's like, oh, great. That's, that's kind of like mocking the whole reward tier thing, but yeah. they can get away with that. Other developers can't, and people do come and say, look, well, what is the swag I'm getting for this? Right. And, and I've seen, I've actually seen people try to mock that kind of, um, mock that kind of uh, reward tier model who don't have any business doing that because they would be yep. lucky to get that money in the first place. You know, don't, uh, I think you really have to earn that. That's a, you know, that's a very small uh, universe of people and, and, yep. and uh, you know, Penny Arcade is definitely in that very small universe. And, and I think we eventually, with these larger numbers of rewards, and which is encouraged by Kickstarter, because all the models say, you know, all this, all these tra- trackers, officially and unofficially, hey, look, you have rewards, people are more likely to give you money, and that kind of pushes people. Well, what am I going to do? What am I going to think of? I mean, here was, people have asked me, you know, hey, why don't you do a Kickstarter for 3MA? I said, well, first, because I haven't thought about it, and we wouldn't need to. And the first thing, I, th- I crap, I couldn't do that. We wouldn't have anything to give away. We didn't have any rewards. Yeah. I'm not going to be designing a shirt for anybody. I don't have right. any posters. I'm not. I'm not going to write a. I'm not going to write a song. Maybe a poem. <laughs> I might write right. a poem. 
Uh, but so you know, it, but th- that's immediately where my mind goes, um, and that's not a good, healthy way to think of a funding model. Um, if you were to think of it as because whole patronage thing, we're gonna hold up as a patronage model. The reward for the patron was, hey, I help make that. Right. And so, which is all well and good, but it's not quite a patronage model. It's an alternate consumer model that in some ways the good itself isn't quite good enough. Now, I've read, I read on some forums, you know, people taking shots at Tom and Bruce for their Kickstarter, saying, look, what are these guys charging money for this blog for? They're mm-hmm. just going to write some stuff anyway. Why are they charging right. for it? And, you know, so, well, because they're professionals, you know, and this is a good. This is, this is like paying for your, don't have any problem chipping in for this furry fanfic novel or having any problems with it existing. And here Does we have exist? two professionals. I'm, I'm guessing. I, I'm uh, just guessing it's out Is that there. something you contributed to? My Kickstarter profile is, <laughs> is public. You can check. Okay. Uh, but there's, but there's, so there's a sense that it is becoming more and more a lottery of what can we give consumers? What else can we give them? And not, hey, I'm paying for this product. This is a product I want to support. And if that takes over, if Kickstarter just becomes not Hey, this is a cool thing I want. I want to make, but hey, mm-hmm. they're making this, and they'll all. And I get a free shirt and a bubblegum machine, and my name will be right. someplace. And it's like, okay, I have, to, I have to think about how I'm building the game so I can build in rewards, and what if happens there? Um, if it's nice little chrome stuff, like you know, fresh, special little coins, or naming the, the red shirt Bruce Garrett because you know he's, you know, I'm going to kill him first. Uh, <laughs> it's. Uh, that's okay. That doesn't get in the way. But you have people uh, doing like web comics and doing novels. And oh, I'll you get to name one of the characters. I'll get to right. model one of the characters after you. You right. can have a picture of someone so taken of your girlfriend, and they can be in this game. It's like no, no. That's just that's just. I mean, yes, that may have happened in the old patronage model. But I think that if this takes over, and I think there's a chance that it will, that um, the Kickstarter itself might end up losing it's attraction, to me at least, um, you'll end up having a lot of projects that should succeed, fail because of all these other costs. I think the idea itself is revolutionary. I think we are returning to, if don't, I don't want to say, you know, the best sort of the patronage model, but the old idea when there weren't mass bookstores, there were booksellers. And if you wanted a book, you had to ask for the book and the bookseller had to go and get the book printed for you, more or less. It was kind of like print on demand because there weren't mass bookstores. Um, so wait a minute. So so Kickstarter is like a return to the Middle Ages, says Troy yeah. Dickel. It, it's it's like a return to the good parts of the Middle Ages, which were what? Well, well that's a why there's of... so much surf killing uh, on Kickstarter. <laughs> actually, yeah. yes, I think in many ways it is because it's people. You're only guaranteeing to get the people who actually who actually who actually want it. Um, it is almost a a pay to publish type thing. If you don't make your target, it's very likely for many of these projects, they just will never happen. Right. They're just going to die. Right. You might want to say this is patronage, but it's really more like, you know, someone's asking for something and they might get a reward for it and they might not. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a new twist on the consumer model, I think, more than the patronage model. And it's not a bad twist and I think it's a good idea and a revolutionary idea. Whether the Kickstarter model itself is the way it'll go, whether it'll end up being something looser and more flexible, like Indiegogo, which I think is problematic with this flexible funding thing but mm-hmm. at least somebody yeah, that gets sounds something. terrible yeah if, I mean, you, if you if you somebody wants ten thousand dollars and you contribute twenty dollars and two and other people do too anyway. they get 60 they bucks get the, uh yeah yeah, that, yeah that's one reason why you go that hasn't been quite as uh, successful as kickstarter but there are other there'll be other competitors along the way all coming along in the world and there'll be new ways of doing it um I think Kickstarter is a revolutionary idea. I do think there has to, I think that there, there needs to be a little more caution, I think, and some thinking about how exactly people are going to be desi- developing for it, designing for it, because I do think these reward things are getting a little bit silly in places. Uh, there yeah. doesn't need to be one at every $10 point. What is every, right. There's one at $10 and the $30 and the $50. You know, why not sure. have one of the... I mean, I, and I think that's the sort of thing that actually causes me to turn away from some Kickstarters. Yeah. So I don't want to help. I don't want to help companies kill themselves. Well, if companies are going to kill themselves, they'll kill themselves. You know, yeah. Whether you give the money or not, but I don't want I, to, unless it's Chick Fil A. I don't want to be a part of it. Oh my God, we had to go there. Why is this happening? Okay, so <laughs> Rob, help. Um, well, I don't like their politics either, Bruce. 
Well, I'm saying we need to steer this out of... Uh, yes, let's, so, let's, get, let's get this out of politics. Yeah, anyway. Well, I mean, we can get into politics. We can just uh, see no. how great Paul Ryan is. Um, I, I guess the point is that um, I, I think it's always good to have a vehicle for good ideas to yeah. uh, to get a chance to to be produced. And, uh, you know, what, what, what happens with the tier sort of the tyranny of tears or tier tyranny or um, bad business decisions. People are going to make bad business decisions, whether they're on Kickstarter or whether they're not on Kickstarter. I think that the idea that people have a way to ask uh, interested customers to give them money in advance of producing their actual product, uh, as long as these are, uh, you know, fully, uh, th- this is a willing transaction that's made. Uh, people have as much information as they feel they need. Uh, there's no deception. Then right. uh, I can't, I really can't think of a downside. Uh, people, people are, are free to fund or not fund. I mean, I, in a way, I, I have a question. I have a question yeah. for you, Bruce, What's in that? your experience. Because this is one What's thing that, that? I, I look at Kickstarter, and I look. There's uh-huh. so many different projects out there, right? P- p- promoting your Kickstarter. Did you and Tom put any thought into how are you going to get people to learn about this, to know about it? I mean, you guys did that video, and I was impressed. Yeah. You guys actually edited the video because I'm mm-hmm. kind of, kind of blew my mind that you guys actually did that. Uh, but the promotion of Kickstarter, that's really kind mm-hmm. of a, that's another game, that's another meta game altogether. Well, the, yeah, the promotion, we didn't put a lot of, so we we had a vehicle already, which was Tom's website, quarter3.com, and we felt that there was a good enough, uh, I mean, for our purposes, that there was a large enough sort of base there that would be able to, um, I mean, if the word got out to that sort of group of people, they could disseminate it to like-minded individuals elsewhere. And there were another, another you know, people, enough people read that. Uh, we got some uh, some press on uh, other forums. Some of it was negative, which I think actually was, but there's no such thing as bad press because uh, uh, there was no way for those people to, uh, you know, take money away from us. It was just people uh, read those threads and said, hey, you know, maybe I do want to contribute to this. Um, and uh, we also had uh, people who had worked with us at com- uh, Computer Gaming World. Jeff Green, uh, you know, tweeted us out to uh, his, you know, whatever, multiple followers. Uh, and I thought that that we, um, because of who we were and because of the resources available to us, we were pretty much able to reach uh, a good portion of the people that were going to end up wanting to give us money. Um, it it's uh, it's always hard to promote a Kickstarter. Um, you know, just writing to people and saying, "Hey, could you you know plug us?" I mean, it's just it's uh, uh, it's kind of embarrassing sometimes. Um, but uh, uh, I think that if you know if we were trying to um, if we, if we had been trying to uh, do a Kickstarter about, uh, you know, designer, I don't know, uh, designer shoes, then we might have had a problem because I have no idea how to promote a Kickstarter about designer shoes. Uh, a Kickstarter about two guys restarting a column that um, they had done for a long time and who uh, were already in contact with many people who had previously read that column, uh, I think that kind of gave us a little bit of, a, of an out. If this kicks into the whole new idea thing, how if you know could Tom if this Kickstarter had existed fifteen years ago, Tom and Bruce could not have kickstarted it. Wait, what? If Kickstarter had existed, sorry, fifteen years ago, Tom versus Bruce could not have started as the Kickstarter column. You guys couldn't have. You guys had to have your legacy in order for this to to, to work. Oh, right. Well, yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. But but, uh, that, but that's a, but that's a good thing, I would say, because oh yeah, it, it, I'm not saying it's a bad thing. I'm saying that there are the, that you know, but the new ideas are going to get funded are the new ideas from established people. It's not a bad thing. I'm just saying that's what it is. Yeah. Well, I, I I I agree. I think that it would have been much harder for us. I, th- I don't think we would have made our goal if there hadn't been people out there who said, "Hey, these guys wrote this column. I remember reading that column. Right. I really enjoyed that column. I'd like to see that column again. I'm going to." pay money for that column. And I'm very uh, happy it'll be live very soon. 
Yeah, it, it, hopefully it's going to be live by the time people uh, listen to this uh, three moves ahead. If it's not, then it will be very shortly thereafter. But well, uh, before we call it a before we call it a show, uh, uh-huh. where are people going to be able to do that? People will be able to do that at www.tomversusbruce.com, and that's Tom versus Bruce with a VS instead of versus. And before we actually call the show, I would also like to uh, mention a. Um, a Kickstarter that is uh, currently in progress by uh, one Jason McMaster at quarter2three.com, uh, who is, uh, so just the, the quarter-to-three Kickstarters, I think, should uh, should all stick together. So if, you, um, if you're interested in a rhythm game about pirate, a pirate octopus, then uh, you should uh, find the, um, the Captain, uh, Captain Patch, sorry, Captain Patch, uh, Kickstarter, and uh, I'll just you watch the video and see if you want to give them some money, and there'll be a link to that at the bottom of this podcast. So if you are a hardcore octopus pirate rhythm uh, game rhythm player, game yes. aficionado, then on the your iPhone. ship has come in. Pardon you the got pun. it. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right, so that does it for tonight's show. Uh, as always, I'd like to thank our producer Michael Hermes and uh, tonight's panelists Bruce and Troy for their contributions to tonight's show. Uh, be sure to tune in next week for our classic game analysis of Take Command Second Manassas. Mm. That should be Second Bull Run. I've never really liked but it took place at Manassas. It's, it's more Manassas battle than a Bull Run battle. Uh, it, it wasn't like seems... a battle to control the strategic waterway of Bull Run Creek. Right, but it's just it seems so Confederate leaning. Well, well, we'll rehash those politics next week on the Perfect. Command <laughs> Second Bull Run or Manassas uh, Classic Game Analysis. Uh, as always, you can participate in discussion for tonight's episode at idlethumbs.net. Uh, say goodnight, everybody. Good night, all. Good night, everybody.